Like many of you, I'm curious about several topics, and what better way to learn than to speak directly with the people who have the answers that you're looking for? My name is Costa. Welcome to Founder Views. That's what this channel is all about. You're going to hear me pick the brains of thought leaders, CEOs, politicians, and business experts about subjects that I'm thinking about or working on at any given time. From economics, business, real estate investing, Bitcoin, lifestyle, politics, and much, much more. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. All right, Adam, um, thanks again for, for jumping on the podcast once again. How you doing? Good, man. Thanks for having me back. I loved our conversation. Yeah. Last love, love the new setup. Looking good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Trying to put a little bit more comp, uh, a little bit more energy towards content and, and getting, yeah. you know, I think we run a cool business and we're in a cool industry and, and I'm looking forward to making things a little bit more visually appealing. Yeah, I know you're running a great business, bitcoinwell.com. I, I, I've been noticing the content uh, recently as well. So, so amazing stuff. Uh, and that's sort of the, the intention of this, uh, this episode here I wanted to do with you again. I, I want to speak to people who who are familiar with Bitcoin, you know, have done some research and are, are thinking, you know what, now I'm ready to buy. So like, I, I really want to just go through the process uh, from, you know, buying a Bitcoin, storing it proper, proper ways to use it, wallet, wallets, things like that. And, um, you know, but speaking to that, to that newbie. So hopefully we can yeah. orange pill some people here today. The no coiners, man, yes. the no coiners are actually pre-coiners. Everyone is a pre-coiner. <laughs> yeah. uh, it just depends on when, when, when it happens. I think, right. uh, yeah, man, no, I think super important. Um, and this is, this is what we live for. I mean, yeah. I've been doing this now for uh, actually in March, it'll be 10 years wow. that I found Bitcoin, which is like, it's crazy, man. I, I don't feel old enough uh, to have been doing something for 10 years, Amazing. but, uh, but yeah, and like, like here we are. Yeah. That's and, incredible. Uh, since day one, it's been obviously learning. Uh, and then, and then teaching. And for the last, like, I've been lucky for the last seven, six, seven years, I've been a full-time Bitcoin teacher Yeah. and, uh, we get to build cool products, but ultimately at the end of the day, all we do is educate people on how to buy, sell and use Bitcoin safely. Love it. And, uh, yeah, I'm honored to be here and, uh, and continue that. Mission. Love it. Yeah. I'm not going to lie as much as this episode is for those, uh, no coiners or pre coiners. I like that term. Uh, it's, it's a lot for me too, man. Cause there's a lot that I'm still, you know, unfamiliar with want to learn more about so so hopefully we can um, extract a lot of value funny. i i want to unpack that a little bit because you and i mean not to i don't want to dox you but you own bitcoin yeah. i presume oh, yeah. <laughs> um and uh and and you know maybe you have for some time but even myself like bitcoin bitcoin ownership and the self-custody of money and and the journey towards becoming a sovereign individual uh is really a bitcoin journey like when you think about even like just take my life the last 10 years i dove into bitcoin super super heavy um i'm known in my circles and probably around the city maybe even the country as like the bitcoin guy like, like i am the bitcoin guy and or i'm a bitcoin guy and even me i'm learning about bitcoin every single yeah. day there's something new it's like the internet right like the internet's been around for is it is it 40 years the internet's been around and we're still learning, oh, hey, on top of that same HTTP protocol that's been around for 40 years, we can make robots that talk like humans, right? We can create artificial intelligence. Like, it's cool, man. And Bitcoin's the same thing. Bitcoin's a protocol that allows you to interact with uh, money, with something, with a, with a token that has value. Yeah. And, uh, and that's cool. And I mean, it's great. I think pre-coiners... Uh, Deca coiners, or is that what someone who's been in Bitcoin uh, should be called? A Deca coiner, Deca coiner um, yeah. alike. You know, both someone who's been here for ten years, or someone who's like heard about it, thinks it's a scam and a Ponzi scheme. Um, both those people are on a Bitcoin journey, yeah. and uh, and it's cool to meet people where they are on that Bitcoin. Yeah, journey. I think that at the core, it, it's such a new concept. The the understanding of like self custody, your essentially assets, your money. When we're just used to okay, let's go to a bank, put our money, and you just that's it you know, you have to start, you stop thinking about it at that point. So it's a, it's a little bit more involved um, with, with Bitcoin to properly uh, store it and secure it. And I think that to a lot of people, that's kind of like a scary part. 
um, yeah. in a lot of ways. So hopefully we can get through some Which, of that. Well, it's kind of interesting because it's funny that we see custody of money so much differently than we see custody of everything else, right? Uh, look at, look at like, let's take, take this to the extreme. Let's look at North Korea, for example. They have custody over very, very little. Their time, they don't have custody of time. They don't have custody of food. They don't have custody of shelter, right? The authoritarian government tells them what they can and cannot do, where they can and cannot go, what they can or cannot consume at every function of their life. And we, as Westerners, we're like, oh, that's horrible. That's brutal. I can't imagine living my life like that. But then when you talk about self-custody of money, you get those those claws go up. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why do I, I'm not smart enough to do that. I, I can't imagine self-custodying my money. It's like, well, you self-custody your children, your car, your time, your, you know, you're able to like consume food. I was, I was talking with uh, Ben from BTC Sessions a few months ago. We were talking about this and I was like, humans are pretty responsible like we figured out how to clothe ourselves we bathe on a regular occasion we're not like my my hot take there was we're not walking outside and there's not like human feces everywhere we figured out how to like be pretty self-responsible and, and self-composed and somehow we've been trained you know my assumption is from the legacy financial system that your money is just way above your head yeah. you're too stupid to handle your own money and i just diabolically oppose that like, we've got people I know individuals that run multi-million dollar businesses. They've got teams of hundreds of people that they themselves are responsible for. And they have the perception of, oof, self-custody of money is pretty risky. And I just can't believe it. I cannot believe it. It's crazy. That, that's totally true. And you, when you really take a step back and think about that, like you're totally right. And it's like, why? what is it about money that makes people so anxious and scared i mean you know you, i guess you just gotta uh, go back to the beginning about you know monetary system how it was formed it was right. by design to make it as complicated as as possible right it absolutely is and, and and that's exactly it we have accepted that inflation is necessary we've accepted that the dollar shouldn't be backed by anything we've accepted that time is not in fact or money is not a representation representation of time it's like this separated function we just trade our time for money no your time is money and what we we should be using a function of money to reflect our time and and we don't teach it in school i think that's i mean is it a, is it a is it a coincidence that the 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 curriculums are controlled by the people that print money and uh, we don't teach them about money in schools like is that a coincidence yeah, maybe crazy um i don't think so is it a coincidence that uh, there's no solid, like nonpartisan Bitcoin education or, or sorry, money, monetary mon um, education in like universities in, in post-secondary. Uh, why aren't we funding these types of things? And I think it's uh, I think, it, well, frankly, I think it's criminal. But but also I think it's important that individuals that care about, you know, individualism, that care about sovereignty, that care about freedom, that care about protecting their wealth and having money to pass down to their to their kids and their grandkids and their great grandkids. We got to get out of the rat race and bitcoin is obviously the answer to get out of the rat race couldn't agree more couldn't agree more okay so let's let's jump in right right from the beginning so you know again uh, someone pre-coiner did the research now they're right you know what let's buy some bitcoin first what's the best way to buy bitcoin like how how what are the options how can people yeah, buy Bitcoin? great question we actually we just designed uh a uh a survey um Survey might be the wrong term for it, but it's called the Bitcoin survey. And uh, it's going to be live pretty quick here at bitcoinwell.com slash survey. And it exactly answers this question, right? We've thought of the majority of scenarios. We're, we're going to have missed some, obviously, but the majority of scenarios that individuals, questions they might ask, and it's all like Bitcoin's a journey. So there's different things that are important to different people. So the best thing for me or for you might not be the same for, you know, some other listener True. and two listeners might have different uh, things that are important for some people. Bitcoin is pure price speculation. So they need to get the best price possible. They sacrifice convenience. They sacrifice security. They sacrifice lots of other things that are important to me because they're like, I got to get the best price possible because I got to exit my trade in 24 hours in 12 months and whatever that time frame is. That may be one side. His side, it's like, no, no, no. Bitcoin is money. It's sound money. I'm going to pass these coins down to my great, great, great grandkids. 
I need these things to be locked up outside of any authoritarian business and I got to have sole control. And that's going to be more of a security side. They're going to want to opt in to some more um, luxury features, I guess, uh, more education. And, and there's a different way there. So I would almost say that there's no one answer in my, so I'll speak from my perspective. It's all about self-custody, right? I have firsthand seen what it's like to be booted from the banking industry. Scotiabank, TD, RBC, BMO, uh, Service Credit Union, ATB, uh, little, little credit unions in Saskatchewan. Like I am banned from all of these mm. banking uh, infrastructure because I've been doing Bitcoin for 10 years and they don't like that, right? Wow. In fact, I've got a great example, TD, and I'm, I'm happy to call these assholes out. TD, the other, uh, last year, I had a seven year uh, restriction, a seven year ban uh, from operating at TD. The seven years was up. I went into TD, I said, hey, you know, I was, uh, I was banned seven years ago, I'd like an account now. I want to be part of the banking infrastructure. Like I just, you just it's tough to live without a bank, right? Yeah. Um, although not for long, uh, thanks to Bitcoin. Well, but, um, so I, I, I go to TD like, okay, yeah, we see that it's, it's, it's all lifted. It's all good. Let's get to a checking account. I'm not looking for debt. I'm not talking about like, you know, I want to send a million dollars to, to some sketchy, uh, you know, Eastern European country. Like, no, no, no. I just want a checking account to pay my power bill and like maybe go to A&W and Starbucks, right? Like yeah. this is what I want an account for. Um, no cash, no sketchy business, just like direct deposit from my employer pay my power bill, pay my Amex, like that kind of stuff. So they're like, yeah, it looks like the, like the ban has been lifted, blah, blah, blah. What was that for? I'm like, I don't know. They didn't tell me at the time. Okay, well, that's weird, but whatever. They go in, da, 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 da. We sit for there for a half hour in the office, setting up the account. They're like, oh, um, yeah, they've actually, they've put a new ban on the account now. So how come? They're like, well, we can't actually see that. We've got to get the fraud department to call. I was like, well, let's, let, let's call them. Oh, no, no, no. We can't call them right now. Uh, they'll call you back two weeks later. Okay, two weeks go by, obviously nothing. Come back in. Uh, hey, I want to open an account. The fraud was supposed to call. Oh, yeah. They called me and they just said that uh, we can't bank you. How come? What did I do wrong? Tell me. I can fix it. Or I can't, but I want to know. What have I done wrong? Like, oh, well, we can't tell you what you've done wrong. <laughs> I was like, oh, so, so I can't have an account. You won't tell me why. And there's this big black box that I have no insight to. They're like, yeah, sorry about that. Have a nice day. Right? Jeez. So I know firsthand that and, and by the way, like the first time it happened, uh, they froze hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like I had a bunch of money in that bank account that they just stripped. They, they rug pulled me basically. Wow. They took my money. They closed the account. It took me months and lawyers to get the money back. So like this is not some utopian, that yeah. I'm some crazy conspiracy theorist. It like it happens to real people. I look at our country uh, a year and a bit ago. 2000 bank accounts closed for donations going to a trucker protest, right? We're seeing actively how money can be used as a weapon. Look at China opening up an expiring CBDC, right? The, the UK talking about a CBDC where they would limit what you can spend it on for your protection, of course. So I think that we're already seeing what happens when money is not in your control. And I don't think I'm being a conspiracy theorist here. I think I'm just looking at the world. Not at all. Yeah, that's and you reality. can argue both ways regardless. As as long as somebody has the power to take away money, to take away what's rightfully yours, uh, regardless of where you are in the political spectrum, the same can happen to you, right? Because politics change. The pendulum swings. Your government might not be the future government. So it doesn't, I'm not talking left, right, center. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make a difference to me. If the power exists, if the function exists for you to have your money taken, then it will be taken or then it can be taken. So all that long with this to say, self-custody of Bitcoin is the single greatest, most important tool in my tool chest. And how that works is a hardware wallet. They're cheap, they're easy to use, easier than ever before. Um, I mean, the Bitcoin, well, we, we, we can help you set up a hardware wallet. We do it in a safe environment. We walk you through the process. If you want someone to hold your hand, we do it for free. A hardware wallet is the most important things. They might be called cold storage to store your Bitcoin. And I think yeah. that's number, number one, get a hardware wallet and then test it. Don't send a million dollars. Don't send your whole, uh, don't go out and, and FOMO into Bitcoin and then send it all to a hardware wallet. You don't understand. Get a hardware wallet, try like a hundred bucks, right? Like the thing about Bitcoin is it's the same experience if it's a hundred bucks or a million bucks, right? Mm -hmm. uh, 20 million bucks, 50 million bucks. It doesn't matter. It's the same experience of here's the public address. Here's the amount of sats that I want to send. Off we go. Sign yeah. the transaction.
and the hardware wallet is the same experience regardless. So test it with a hundred, test it with whatever, test it with five, right? Like test it with small, small, small amounts, get comfortable with the Bitcoin experience and then start to increase your Bitcoin wealth. Yeah. Okay. So that, that that's perfect. Uh, I'm so glad you brought all this up because, you know, let's take a step back though. So the first question I asked was like how to best way to buy Bitcoin. And what you explained is perfect because you're totally right. Um, there's, there's nuances to that question, right? Depending on what your, you know, your agenda or your goals are, whether you're trading or looking at it as like long-term wealth and, and passing it on to generations. And, and that's the perspective I want to focus on what you described as that, like sound money like in your possession, no one can, seize it you can't get your accounts frozen like like in your experience so so that's the perspective i definitely want to focus on so step one is get a hardware wallet is what i'm hearing uh do you have any, any recommendations that that for hardware wallets? yes and no um so i personally man i think i've only used four like if i'm being honest i've only really used four different kinds of hardware wallets um the the one that I like the best is cold card. Now, this is where like think about think think about convenience and security as like diabol or opposing kind of poles. The closer you get to security, the further you are con from convenience. And the closer you get to convenience, the further right. you are from security. Yeah. Right. Another like an analogy here is like think about your house. So you have a lock on your door. You maybe have one or two keys. It's not super convenient, right? Yeah. The ultimate convenience would be to have a key right at the front door, actually even in the lock. That would be like, because you never forget it, but it's not super secure right. at the same time. Yeah. And so you, if you want only one key, well, you better not lose it and you better not give it away and no one else can have access. So there, there's, there's this kind of, you know, there's this spectrum that you have to lie on. Yeah. Cold card is like as close to secure, secure, secure as you can get. It is just awesome. Uh, but super on inconvenient. There's no clean UX. They don't focus on that. They focus on, tight hardware that's safe mm -hmm. and and that's important to me that's what i choose on the other side ledger and trezor they both do uh the similar things they've got different kind of software that's what makes it a little bit less secure but if we're talking like you know bitcoin on an exchange over here and a hardware wallet over here i'd say it's like cold card is like right at the end of security it's amazing you know ledger and trezor are like slightly off that pole but you're still miles better than yeah. leaving okay. Bitcoin in, in, in exchange, for example. Okay. So, so my recommendation is always get something you're comfortable with and then graduate up. Yeah. Right? Take the safest path that you're comfortable with. Like if you weren't a tech guy or you're not a tech girl and, uh, and, and you're not really maybe comfortable like with like seed phrases and, and or, well, seed phrases, maybe not, but with, uh, with, with derivation paths and, and all kinds of technical Bitcoin terms, then maybe don't opt for the cold card opt for a, you know, slightly less safe, more convenient learning tool, treat it like a learning tool and then graduate once you're ready. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. And, and what makes cold card and like, let's say a Trezor, like what's that gap? Why, why do you think there's like that little separation between the safety and security? Like, what is it? So the cold card philosophy is very much security first. The Trezor philosophy is convenience first. And also cold card, while they're a business, I think they're, a little bit more like the coin kite group is which is what who makes cold card they're like they're bitcoiners right and they understand uh all the stuff that we're talking about sovereignty long-term wealth bitcoin standard etc 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 and they want to see that come to fruition so they build the software with that in mind um small things like even just the parts they use how they manufacture the boards um you know we're we're relatively certain that there's no back door into a treasure but the whole thing is an open source, for example, right? Mm -hmm. The whole thing is not see-through, for example. Cold Card made their entire product see-through. So you can audit, if you want to, each individual circuit on mm. the circuit board. You can okay. see exactly where it goes, what it's coming from. Uh, Cold Card's Bitcoin only. So uh, Trezor's not. And what that means is if a other cryptocurrency potentially uh, wrote something into their blockchain as a backdoor into their wallets, then potentially that backdoor into the wallet could backdoor into the hardware wallet could backdoor into your Bitcoin wallet. So hmm. there are just risks that exist um, with internet, with, with the protocol. 
that that exists, which they need to exist. Otherwise, it would be closed and it would be authoritarian susceptible. Um, but there are things that you can do to eliminate that. Using a cold card, there are none of those risks. Using a treasure or a ledger, uh, some of those risks exist. They're pretty low, right? It would be very bad for treasure to do that from a commercial yeah. perspective. So the incentives are definitely aligned. But I would say that's kind of the main difference between um, kind of like the UX group, the like, hey, let's make this as convenient as possible, mass market it, put it in Best Buy, yeah. make this user friendly versus like the cold card way, which is like, no, 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 no. This is for an advanced user, but it's for an advanced user that understands that security comes at the cost of time and education. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. So we got our hardware wallet, we got our cold card. Um, you said test it next. So to test it, you need to uh, obviously buy some Bitcoin, right? So so how, how are Absolutely. we buying? How are we buying? So the small amounts, I mean, hey, I, I'm, I'm the founder CEO of Bitcoin Well. I'm going to tell you it's Bitcoin Well, but I'm also going to tell you why it's Bitcoin Well. And I'd love for everybody watching to check me on this, right? Go after me in the comments, understand, like take my position with a massive grain of salt, research it. And then you're going to do one of two things. You're going to think um, that I'm right, or you're going to think that I'm lying and then go use the product and learn mm -hmm. that I'm not lying. So bitcoinwell.com slash join. You can read about the platform. You can sign up. It takes 30 seconds. Uh, that's the best way to do it. You enter your email, you enter a well tag. That's our version of a username and a password. Boom. You're in the portal. Now this is cool because if you already have Bitcoin, you can sell it right then. You don't have to verify your account. You have to confirm your email. You don't have to verify your account, your, your identity, your phone number, nothing. You can sell up to $900 in Bitcoin just like that. So that's, that's step one. But if you're new to Bitcoin, you want to buy Bitcoin. Now you've got this Bitcoin wallet account. You have to verify your identity. The reason for that is twofold. It protects us and you a little bit against fraud, but also uh, FinTrack, we're in Canada. FinTrack is the regulating body for um, uh, for finance, for MSBs like us, money service businesses like, like us. You gotta verify who you are and make sure you're not like laundering money under sanctions. Uh, you're not a bad person basically. So once all that's done, now we can buy Bitcoin. There's two ways to buy Bitcoin at bitcoinwell.com. You can go uh, with Interact e-transfer, which is what the majority of users do. I think about 80% of users, uh, or Visa Debit, uh, which makes it a little bit more like a normal shopping experience. Mm -hmm. So we'll go with Interact e-transfer to start. Now you're going to do this the first time simultaneously. You're going to have your new hardware wallet that's set up and the BitcoinWell.com uh, platform open. And on the hardware wallet that you have, you're going to go receive Bitcoin, right? That's what you're looking to do. And there's going to come up with a with a with a Bitcoin address there. Probably starts with a one. Well, probably starts with a, with, with with a three, um, or a or or, or a BC um, if it's a if it's a new kind of address. So you copy that Bitcoin address, leave it in your clipboard, and you go buy Bitcoin. How much you want to buy? Twenty bucks, fifty bucks, a hundred bucks, any number, um, up to like for your first transaction, no more than two fifty is necessary, right? We're learning about Bitcoin here. Yeah. We don't got to break the bank. Um, you're still, you're still a pre-coiner at this point. So, um, a couple hundred bucks, even a hundred bucks, whatever you enter, how much money you want to spend, how much Bitcoin you want to buy. And then the next thing you do is enter that address. That little nuance is so key because most all custodial exchanges do not require you to enter a Bitcoin address. And what that means is they take your money before they know where you want it sent. Their default option is fake Bitcoin in your account, uh, which we'll, we'll talk about that a bit later. So you put your Bitcoin address in and you click next. We give you a set of unique e-transfer details. You send the e-transfer literally instantly. The Bitcoin is sent on the blockchain directly to your cold storage, to your hardware wallet, right like that. Uh, actually, I have had instances where the receipt for your Bitcoin purchase actually hits your inbox before your bank tells you that the e-transfer was accepted. Like it is fast. I'm sure you've had yeah. a similar experience. The, yeah, I'm, uh, as you know, uh, uh, a user of Bitcoin well, and yeah, you're, you're totally right. It, it's, it's lightning fast. Lightning For fast. sure. Yeah. And so, so that's your first transaction. Boom. Voila. Like you've got Bitcoin, the whole process from like, I don't have an account to I've got my first Bitcoin. Like I've, we've seen it in less than 10 minutes. People have signed up, verified their account, verified their identity, uh, and bought Bitcoin in less than 10 minutes. It's fast. But yeah. then the cool thing is the next time, because we have your Bitcoin address, because we're not a trading platform, we're a buying platform. We now predetermine. So we know where you want Bitcoin sent, right? 
and we know who you are. We've given you a set of unique e-transfer details. The next time you want to buy Bitcoin, you go to your bank, you send the same e-transfer, like different amounts, but the same, the, the same recipient, the same secret question, the same secret answer. And we automatically send the Bitcoin directly to your cold storage wallet. Yeah. So you don't even have to log into the platform your second time. Yeah. It's amazing. I actually want to ask um, you about that though, uh, about that. So uh, a lot of wallets, they, they use a new uh, receiving address, uh, you know, for, I guess, added security and benefit. Can you talk about the right. difference between reusing the same one and a new address? So it's all privacy focused. So like I said, right. Privacy security on one side, convenience, that's a convenience, yeah. right? And you're sacrificing a little bit of privacy. It's still as secure as before, but you're sacrificing a little bit of privacy uh, to do to have that convenience. Uh, the difference between sending Bitcoin to the same address or to a different address is that uh, it's an accumulation game. So if someone is spying on you, if someone wants to know how much Bitcoin that you have, uh, they'd be able to see quite easily. If you only had one Bitcoin address, they'd be able to see quite easily uh, how much Bitcoin you have. Right. Versus if you are spreading that Bitcoin across multiple different addresses, it's a lot harder to see. Um, there's a concept called doxing where the Bitcoin address could be tied to you in the future. Yeah. And if you don't have uh, all of your Bitcoins spread out amongst different addresses, it's a lot easier to follow the blockchain, follow the record and find uh, more of your stash, more of your Bitcoin. So uh, you run that risk of, of privacy. Now, the way to oppose this, and I don't know if we're getting technical here, but the way to oppose this is to give us your XPUB and then we could send it to a different address every single time, um, which is better for um, kind of worldwide privacy, but you've given us your XPUB and we can now see all of the addresses in your Bitcoin wallet. So it's kind of a, a little bit of a double-edged sword. Like I said, it's convenience versus privacy at this point. Yeah. Just those two poles kind of like, where are you on the spectrum? Um, but I really, it's, it's, it's really, really cool being able to send an e-transfer and then in real time receive Bitcoin without even logging in. And you think about where does this go next? Let's talk about, you know, voice assistance, right? Mm. Uh, once we figure out a way to, um, make that transaction even easier, we, we might be able to go, you know, um, Hey, Amazon buy a hundred bucks in Bitcoin, for example, and boom, you know, into your platform, <laughs> into the bank, straight yeah. to cold storage. Right? Yeah. And then even next, it's like, we just automate the full thing. When Bitcoin is over a certain amount, under a certain amount, take that, you know, buy a hundred bucks, buy 50 bucks, buy 20 bucks worth of Bitcoin. Yeah. So you can see how our product progresses with this level of, albeit simple, but uh, apparent automation. Yeah. Uh, can you talk about the, the XPUB? So like, I'm not too familiar with that. Can you talk about uh, so how that works? An XPUB, an XPUB is basically the kind of universal display of all of the Bitcoin addresses under that XPUB. So how a Bitcoin wallet works is um, you have an X prive. So that's kind of like your X private key and that lives up top. And the X prive dictates all the different private keys that might exist in that one wallet. So a wallet could be aptly named an X prive, let's say. So you've got your wallet, that's your X prive. You got tons of different private keys inside that X prive. Each individual private key now has an X pub, right? So the private key is like the key to that one X pub. Mm -hmm. That one X pub has multiple different public addresses, which is where you send Bitcoin. So okay. think of it like, um, like, you know, you, how you've got like master keys to certain things. So the master key kind of has, uh, would, would be like the private key. Um, and that accesses everything under that one XPUB. And then you can have multiple different locks at one, at, at different locations that you have access to things inside from just that single key. Okay. And are, are the number of unique keys like infinite or is there a infinite, limit? Infinite, my dude. Yeah. Um, so now I think by the logic of the encryption method, there is a limit. Um, I think by virtue of like the SHA-256 encryption, which is the Bitcoin protocol or how the Bitcoin protocol is encrypted. I think there's a limit to the character strings that an X prive can be. Um, I want to say it's like, it's like 45 or 50 unique characters. So 
um mm-hmm. it's like a really big number yeah. <laughs> i don't yeah. know i don't know what the number is yeah. um it's bigger it's like i think billions of people can have billions of x prives okay. and we won't run out right like it's like it's 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 for sake of for conversation yes it's pretty infinite. much infinite for yeah. sake of logic like yeah. i'm not sure to be yeah honest. there's probably yeah <laughs> yeah okay all right so okay we, we so we, you you with bitcoin well uh get your private key uh or, or your receiving address uh and you guys can send it instantly you know i i'll i can yeah. validate and very that. important yeah. we never have your private key we never ask for your private key you never give us a private key we don't want your private key yeah. i am not in the business of holding your bitcoin i want you to hold your bitcoin i want to sell you bitcoin i want to give you dollars when you don't need bitcoin i want to help you pay your bills in bitcoin I do not want to hold your Bitcoin, which yeah. is the opposite of like ShakePay, Coinbase, BitBuy, Binance, like NetCoin, like all of these other platforms want to hold your Bitcoin. In fact, um, if you go to cspread.com, it's a pretty good like rate aggregator in the space. And uh, they highlight the trading fee and then the withdrawal fee of those platforms. And the majority of platforms actually charge you to withdraw money. That is criminal. Mm-hmm. Imagine paying money and then their default option being, ah, I'll just keep this here. Thanks very much. Like that's just, yeah. that's just yeah. not how it should be. Our default option is delivered to you. And right now, and probably for the, like the foreseeable future, we don't actually even have an option to leave your money with us. Like, like yeah. you cannot leave Bitcoin at Bitcoin well. It just is not possible. We force you to take it yourself. If you aren't comfortable taking your own money, I would say book an appointment with our Bitcoin specialists and we can show you how easy it is and how it's possible. And if you're still not comfortable, frankly, we like, we just, we just, this is not the platform for you. Yeah, no, <laughs> we don't, makes we sense. don't want to hold your Bitcoin. Makes sense. So a question about the, the business itself. So w- when, when someone buys Bitcoin from Bitcoin, well, you said we're obviously you're, you're exchanging, we're providing, or like, let's say me, I'm giving you cash or dollars. You're giving me Bitcoin. Is that Bitcoin owned by Bitcoin? Well, or is it some yeah. attached to some other entity or, or how does that? Nope. It's ours. So we have an inventory of Bitcoin that we sell you the same way. Like sport check has hockey sticks. Uh, they buy all those from Bauer and from, and from true and, and, and warrior and whoever else makes hockey CCM and, and they buy all those hockey sticks and then they sit on the sports check shelf. And then as they sell, they buy more and there's a markup in that process. Yeah. So we buy the Bitcoin first. We've got the inventory as you come in to buy a hundred bucks worth of Bitcoin, we sell you that hundred bucks worth of Bitcoin. Then we go out and rebuy that hundred bucks worth of Bitcoin. Yeah. Okay. And, and where do you buy from? Are you able to disclose that or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got, uh, right now five different institutional liquidity providers mm. who are in the business, uh, basically aggregating international markets, trying to find the best prices for Bitcoin. We source those five different institutional liquidity providers. It's all backend stuff, right? It's like, mm-hmm. it's not, there's not really front ends to these platforms. It's kind of just all done through API. We've got an account there. We've got money sitting there. And then as orders come in, our API says, Hey, you better buy a hundred bucks of Bitcoin. We say, Hey, who's got a hundred bucks worth of Bitcoin platform say we do, we do. And then we buy that from that platform and then take it back into inventory. Okay. Got you. Okay. So we got our Bitcoin now in our hardware wallet, uh, secured, uh, let's use cold card as an example. Now, is there, is there a, is cold, is cold card attached to um, like a wallet you can access on your phone to see the balance or anything no. like that. So cold no. card is definitely cold storage. Um, that is a hardware wallet is always cold storage. Ledger live does have the ability or the ledger gives you a kind of a mobile app, but I don't believe you can send Bitcoin from it. It's more just for like watching. So you could use any block explorer, uh, mempool.com is my favorite one. Uh, to watch your your cold card addresses if you so choose. Um, what was that? Can you talk about what now? Was that one again? The mempool.com. Okay. So mempool.com uh, is a block explorer. You can you can just paste an address into their search bar and it shows you that address. You can't. You have no access to that address. You okay. have no way of knowing who owns it. You have no way of spending that Bitcoin. But you can see, hey, there's Bitcoin there. 
and then they give you, and that's worth roughly this many Canadian or US or Euros. Yeah. Um, what you're talking about now is a mobile wallet. Yeah. So um, mobile wallets, there's, there's some potential for problems here. People actually think their Coinbase uh, account is a mobile wallet. It's not. A mobile wallet, I would say, rides the line perfectly between convenience and security. And uh, I would treat a mobile wallet like cash in your pocket. If you're comfortable walking around with a couple hundred bucks in cash in your pocket on your person, great. A mobile wallet with a couple hundred bucks worth of Bitcoin is probably right for you. If you were like, I want no cash on me at any point in time, then you don't need one. Yeah. Uh, the, the mobile wallets that I recommend are Blue Wallet. Uh, Blue Wallet's great. It is, for the most part, open source. Uh, it's got the ability for Lightning, which is cool. It doesn't work that great, but it's there. Um, and it gives you your private key. So again, you take the private key. You own the seed phrase, which is a, a way to access the private key. Um, and that is the most important piece. If a mobile wallet does not give you a private key, not just like the option to get it, does not give it to you by default, mm -hmm. it is not to be trusted. You cannot trust a mobile wallet that does not give you the private key. Yeah. In fact, mobile wallets that don't have private keys aren't real Bitcoin wallets. You don't actually see the Bitcoin that's inside them because you cannot verify all of the addresses in your wallet. So at the end of the day, it's like, you know, hardware wallet, mobile wallet that gives you a private key. If a mobile wallet doesn't give you a private key, it's basically a Google sheet right. and you do not want to store value on a Google sheet. Yeah. And so, um, does cold card also do all hardware wallets provide that XPUB? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yes and no. Um, all hardware wallets have an XPUB, uh, but not all hardware wallets give you access to your XPUB. Okay. Um, this is what I'm talking about between like security and convenience. It can be confusing because your first time owning a hardware wallet, you don't have a Bitcoin specialist going by you um, side by side answering questions for what's this, what's this button do, what's that button do, how does this exist? Um, some companies have taken the position of just let's just lock this down, make it as simple as possible, mm -hmm. and not confuse our new users. Yeah. But every every single Bitcoin wallet, if it's a real Bitcoin wallet, has an XPUB. Okay, got you. Now the. Like Ledger Live, for example, or like I think a similar one is like Exodus, which you can use with the Trezor. Um, the, so you can't um, you can't send through these live wall or these wallets. So are you still cautious about those? Do those still straddle that security line or so those are those are good. So that what that basically does is it takes your XPUB, right? So it has access to your XPUB. Not not super great for privacy still fine for security and uh, it allows you to receive on the fly. Yeah. So if you, if, so this is kind of what I'm talking about. Um, you could give us the X pub from cold card, or you can give it to ledger live and, and, and have a new address every single time getting ripped through. Both are fine. Both have their privacy concerns, but it is, that's just the beauty of the beast. Yeah. Um, that would allow you to have a new Bitcoin address. If you could press receive, 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 and just get new addresses every time you push that button from that same wallet, you can be confident that the Bitcoin will end up in your hardware wallet. Yeah, got you. Um, so if you have a cold card then, and you know, you're, you're just accumulating Bitcoin, like how do you actually um, see what you have after like, let's say a year, you wanna check your balance? Like do you have to put it into your computer or how does that yep. work? Yep, so you, you, would, you would have, so the cold card works alongside an open source Bitcoin software called Electrum, and uh, and 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 you would you would open up your Electrum wallet, um, basically like, so we've been talking about wallets as if they are actual devices that hold things. They're not really. Bitcoin actually isn't held in a wallet. Bitcoin's held on the blockchain. Wallets uh, actually just give you access to the blockchain to that specific piece on the blockchain. So we're getting super technical here. I probably just blew some minds. Uh, Bitcoin is never in a Bitcoin wallet. It's just accessed by a Bitcoin wallet. Got it. Kind of like your debit card, right? Like there's, there's, there's no money actually inside your debit card. There's just money in your bank and your debit card is like a direct link to your bank. And it's kind of the same way with a hardware wallet. Yeah. Um, 
So, so you would still like, you would just quarry the blockchain using Electrum. And then if you wanted to spend that Bitcoin that's, that's in Electrum, you'd have to plug in your cold card because it's the only device that can give you access to the money that you see. Okay. I got you. So speaking of, um, yeah, like wallets, the Bitcoin is, or your coins are not actually on a wallet. They're on the blockchain. Right. But right. so, uh, seed phrases. So when you have, you got a hardware wallet, they, it, it comes with a seed phrase. So what is that? Why is that important? So a seed phrase is the access key to a wallet. So there, there's a, there's an X prive, uh, which is a big, unreadable string of numbers and letters. Um, and then there's a seed phrase and the seed phrase is kind of the, like the human version of that X prive. And the seed phrase is typically 12 to 24 letters or words, sorry. And there can be one extra word as a passphrase. And what that does is whether or not your seed phrase gets compromised, your passphrase could be that kind of last ditch effort, kind of like a two FA code. Mm -hmm. So there can be up to 25, um, up to 25 words in a seed phrase. Now what the seed phrase does is it effectively decrypts or, or gives you what the X prive is, which gives you then access to those wallets. Okay. So let's say I have a, a treasure wallet. I lose it. It gets lost. It gets burned in a fire, but I have my seed phrase, those 24. Bingo. So you go words. pick up a brand new treasure, right? You plug it into your computer. They'd say new wallet or restore wallet. You click restore wallet. They'd say, great. What's your seed phrase? Here's my seed phrase, 12 or 24 words. They'd say, great. Do you have a password on it, right? Is there a 25th word? Yes or no. And then off you go. And, uh, and, and you, it would just be like the new device. Yeah. Okay. Now if, if their seed phrase are 24 words, like if you just know the first 12, is that, does that still work or do you need all 24? No. No, you need all 24. Seed phrases are either 12 or 24 okay. words. Um, Which ones are 12? And, uh, are there certain wallets or? Yeah, so certain mobile wallet. Like, I think Blue Wallet, for example, is a is a, is a 12 worder. Okay. I think you can actually, in some wallets, choose if you want 12 or 24 okay. uh, words. And again, convenience or security, yeah. right? 24, obviously safer, harder to remember, right? Is this something that you're going to try to beat into your brain so you can travel, like, Let's go down an extreme angle here. If I'm in North Korea and I've got 12 words that I can remember that gives me access to $100 million, yeah. well, that's easier than 24, right? So so there's 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 pros and cons to both. Yeah. And you need to know the words in order? In order. In order. Yeah. Okay. So, so how do you properly uh, store and secure your seed phrases? Yeah. So seed phrase are generally like written down, it is not advised, not in, not a screenshot on your, on your cloud photo storage, not through a printer. You get up. I don't have, I don't have any paper in an office, but get a, get a piece of paper and write it down. Um, we actually, we just bought a, oh, I forget what it's called. It's uh, basically a metal engraver built for seed phrases. Yeah. And, uh, you know what it's called? Have you seen uh, that? I ordered it after I saw the video yeah. that you posted, and I'm I, it's I'm gonna check right now. So we just yeah. bought one, and so we'll be doing this complimentary at our uh, for all of our all of our clients that come in person. Um, it's all done securely and uh, and done in a way that that can't be um, that can't be spoofed. So we will be um, engraving seed phrases onto metal plates. That is by far the best way to store a seed phrase. It's fireproof. Obviously, it's small, compact, easy to like, easy to put away somewhere. Um, keystone, uh, but part of Keystone. That's keystone, right. Yeah. The the best way to store something though is in a fireproof environment uh, that is susceptible, like not out in the open, right? I mean, who was uh, what was that Silk Road guy? He had a couple thousand Bitcoin on a popcorn box it, uh, under his floorboard. Aaron like, uh, Albright or Ross or. Well, no, well, Ross for sure. But like recently, like in 2022, there was a big bust associated with the Silk Road. The guy oh. had a thousand Bitcoin or something um, on a hardware wallet in a popcorn tin under his floorboards, wow. uh, which is pretty hilarious. <laughs> um, so, so I think that you need it to be fireproof. You need it to be like theft, right? Like theft proof, maybe. 
um, and just take the steps that you can. So like what I've done with mine is like, yeah, you put them in a fireproof safe somewhere, probably not in your house. Um, other smart moves is like cut the seed phrase into three pieces and put them in three different locations. One at your lawyer's office, one at, uh, I don't know, two other spots, right? Yeah. Your grandma's house, whatever. Um, bury it in, go buy a, go buy a grave plot for yourself and bury it down there. Like, I don't know, whatever you want to do with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Okay. You can, you, you can choose, you can put one, you can tell each individual person one word. Um, now then you're susceptible to that person forgetting or a bunch of collusion or whatever. But, um, at the end of the day, you, you can be as safe and secure as you want to be yeah. with that secret. 12, 24 words. Um, kind of give you access to your Bitcoin wallet. Yeah. So very, very important. Um, what about for, for like everyday usage and in, in wallets? So, so how, how do you manage that? Like, do you have a, like a separate wallet for that? Uh, yeah, definitely. I've got multiple Bitcoin wallets. I don't think all your Bitcoin has to be, it doesn't have to be in one wallet. Um, I like blue wallet. So for day to day stuff, right. Um, blue wallet, I've got Bitcoin in there. It's a hot wallet. Um, and then right now I'm testing some lightning wallets. I'm using wallet of Satoshi right now, which is custodial, which I'm against. Do not use it thinking it's non-custodial. It's very custodial, um, but it's simple. And as we learn lightning, like, you know, I'm on that learning track. So I've got, you know, my learning amount of Bitcoin, a couple hundred bucks sitting in there. If it disappears, that will suck, but it's, that's, I'm prepared to lose it. And I'm learning um, the lightning protocol. And so like at the office here, for example, we play ping pong uh, for sats and we'll, and we'll play, you know, 10,000 sat games of Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, we, we have a, a keg that's got uh, beer and coffee and, uh, we've set it up in the lightning network. So you scan the lightning invoice, uh, and then out comes the coffee. And, uh, and, and so we're testing this kind of stuff and we've got a jukebox or we had a jukebox that, you know, you'd pick a song, it would be a different amount of Satoshi's you'd scan the invoice and the song would start playing. Yeah. Um, so that's how we use it day to day. Um, Frankly, Bitcoin is not really usable in the real world. And that's a big part of why we exist. We want to make Bitcoin a lot more easier to use. I have this theory that in 2023, you should be able to hold and use your money simultaneously. And that is not true for the majority of Canadians today. You can either use your money, it's in a bank, or you can hold your money, it's outside a bank. But you largely can't like... I tried to go buy a sandwich with a $50 bill the other day. Sorry, we don't have change. I was like, the sandwich is 18 bucks. <laughs> like, you don't have $30 of change? What? What is going on here? They're like, yeah, we don't take $50 bills. So like, wow. you just can't hold and use your money at the same time. And, uh, and, that's, and that's gross. And so what we're setting out to do, make it easy for you to hold Bitcoin yourself. And then we're looking to leverage the existing legacy financial rails to make it possible to then spend that Bitcoin in the real world, right? Today it's possible. You can use an Amex card, pay that Amex off with Bitcoin. You pay your taxes with Bitcoin, your power bill with Bitcoin. The next step to that is linking in something that looks like a bank account, give you a routing, a transit and, a, and, a, and an account number. You can deposit funds. You can have it sit in Bitcoin until, oh, there's a $50 call on your account for power or whatever. Boom. You know, you initiate and sign a transaction. And then out goes that 50 bucks. There's different ways that this is how we innovate. This is how we make it possible to simultaneously hold and use your money. We call it future proof your money. Love it. Love it. Um, tell me more about what, what's, what's coming new with Bitcoin. Well, so we're excited about the portal that we just built launched in November, buy and sell Bitcoin in the fastest way possible as of, as of last week, we dropped our rate to 0.21%, zero one percent. Yep. This is the cheapest in the country. We're going fully like it's easier to buy Bitcoin at bitcoinwell.com than a custodian. It's obviously safer because we're non-custodial and now it's cheaper. There's no excuse not to buy Bitcoin at bitcoinwell.com. We're not making any money on this, right? We have an existing core business. We have Bitcoin ATMs that exist. We have our personal services that exist. We aren't looking to make all of our money in this portal. It's a bear market. Times are stuffed. We know you got to stack your sats. Do it in the fastest, safest, and cheapest way possible at bitcoinwell.com. That's our theory. And so um, that's what's been there and exciting. Building and iterating on that. We launched Sell uh, a little while ago and people are like, why you have Sell? Who cares about Sell? It's like, well, you have to sell if you're not all in. 
right? Or sorry, you don't have to sell if you're not all in. If you're all in, you got to sell, right? You got to eat, you got to live. Maybe you got kids that need shoes and play hockey and, and, and whatever. You got to have lunch once in a while. You got to have a, maybe a haircut. I haven't had a haircut in a while. I don't like to spend my sats on haircuts, but like, this is the way. If you, unless you're all in, you have to sell uh, Bitcoin. Or when you're all in, you have to sell Bitcoin to live. And so um, we've got sell there. Same concept as buy, right? We give you, this is boom. Here's your Bitcoin address. Here's your sell address. The second that address gets Bitcoin, e-transfer into your bank. Done. That's yeah. it. No BS, no floating around, no fund your wallet, then make an order, then have the order fill, then withdraw your CAD. None of that garbage. Just send Bitcoin, get an e-transfer instantly. The second that Bitcoin confirmation comes through from the mining network, usually about whatever, 10 minutes or so, boom, you've got e-transfer in your bank if it's auto deposit or in your email at this time. Nice. So that was just released. That's good. Uh, over the next little while, we're going to have bill payments that same kind of way. Bill payments I'm very excited about because it's going to be like, here's your address for your Amex card. Here's your address for your Visa card. Here's your address for your landlord. Here's your address for whatever. Really starting that banking position, right? I envision like you've got an address book on your phone, on your wallet. It's just like, okay, pay 0.008 Bitcoin to my Amex address. Out it goes. It's just done. Thank you, Bitcoin. Well, let's log into the platform. It's all just sitting there on the back end, working for you, making your money future proof. That's the idea. Right. So that's coming down the pipe here. Um, I said yesterday on the uh, on the investor broadcast that we um, that that we did with uh, Julian from Kinetic Finance, um, we're we're actively pursuing um, an international expansion. I don't have much details right. on that right now. I'm not gonna share. But I, I, I mean, please, like, follow us on Twitter, sign up for the newsletter. Like, once we can share, you know, we're, we're going that's to be exciting. sharing exciting nice. plans about yeah. international expansion. So that's cool. And then I think the most exciting thing for me um, right now is it's my goal. And this year is, is probably a little bit um, ambitious, but it's my goal that Canadians sh should have the option to have a bank account. And uh, they should have, which means they have the option to have a Bitcoin well account that gives them all of the services they need from their bank account. If you look at our website at bitcoinwell.com slash investors, you can see, you know, our, our business summed up is uh, we couple the convenience of modern banking with the benefits of Bitcoin. And how that looks is, like I said earlier, giving you a routing number, a transit number, and a checking account that you can pre-authorize um, debits out of for like car payments or mortgages or loans or whatever. Uh, you, can, you can send it to your employer and say, hey, pay my Bitcoin here. We give you a card. You can go spend money. But then you get you can set up your life. You can set up your saving strategy one time um, with budgeting, right? So I want to spend 50 bucks on coffee a month. Uh, anything I don't spend that month, stack, right? Automatically. Uh, hey, and also punish me. If I spend too much money at A&W this month, uh, punish me by buying $20. Like, you know, I got to invest in my financial future because I'm not investing in my, yeah. in my health. Yeah. Uh, right. So there's different fun tools that we can use. Once you are using Bitcoin in real time, you have a card linked to a hot wallet all in your custody that you're able to spend money on. That's where we're going. That's cool. We're looking, yeah. our competitors, not shake pay. It's not Coinbase. Go ahead, be a custodian that buys and sells Bitcoin, dabble in shit coins, whatever, do your thing. Our competitor is Scotiabank, right? We're looking to make it obsolete. You don't need to give your Canadian dollars to somebody else, right? You've got Bitcoin in your wallet and you can use that the exact same way you can use Canadian dollars, but it's infinitely safer for you and borderless. That's where we're going. Love it, man. Um, so w what about the recurring buy? Is that coming out soon? Yes. Uh, so we have recurring buy. Uh, it wasn't good enough. Okay. And what I mean by that was we were withdrawing money and then sending you Bitcoin on a biweekly or a monthly cadence. And that was fine, but we were getting tons of NSF charges. Uh, because I'm very much like, if we've got your money, I want you to have the Bitcoin. And we knew there was NSF risk. Um, we were monitoring it closely. It didn't, it was pretty good for a little while. Like, obviously, people are confirmed and verified. Da, 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 da. And the majority of people that NSF, they would give us the money later on. Uh, but that wasn't a scalable product. So we took it off. It still exists. If you were in the legacy um, BSP, the Bitcoin Savings Plan program, then, 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 then there you go. You still got it. We're going we're gonna to run that until we've got a better alternative. Now the problem that we're solving is how do we make it as seamless as possible, as instant as possible, while still having that recurring cadence? And um, getting e-transfer to its instantaneousness and the simplicity of it is step one. 
if the banks allowed you to automate e-transfers, that would be done. Um, we are pretty sure we can do it with the with the insert of bill payments. So um, soon you'll be able to buy Bitcoin for your bill payment network, uh, like the same way you pay your Epcor bill or your your hydro bill or whatever, your telecom bill. Um, you'll be able to do it through that same that same kind of bill payment network in your bank, and you can automate those bill payments. That'll be one way. Uh, but of course, the ultimate convenience is give us your bank account, and then and then we'll just pull it when you tell us to. Um, so lots of problems to solve in that. Lots of different integration that need to happen. We're actively working on the Bitcoin savings plan, and uh, we'll be very excited to bring it back. It's not going to be your run of the mill Bitcoin savings plan. It's going to be cool. It's going to be done in Bitcoin well fashion, which is yeah, everyone does it one way. We do it differently because it's better, safer, faster, more convenient. For the user. Man, every time I speak to you and just like seeing firsthand the, the evolution of Bitcoin well and the improvements and upgrades, uh, you get me more and more excited. Like I'm able to really see here like the vision that, that you have. And it's it's exciting, man. It's exciting for for me. It's exciting for every Canadian, frankly, and beyond, hopefully. Uh, so definitely, hopefully. Yeah, no, and beyond. You're right. But but hey, man. I'm a Canadian guy. Like I love yeah. it here. Um, it's it's tough to be here right now as someone who cares about sovereignty, as someone who cares about you know uh, being a free individual. Like we've had a lot of restrictions on our individualism over the last few years, and that's garbage. It's tough to be here for that mm -hmm. for that sake. Uh, what's driving my 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 bullishness on Canada is just that you know we're we're able to build a product. We've got a vision, a roadmap, and the means to build a product that helps Canadians self custody money. And, and that's, that's special. Amazing. And uh, I'm excited to get my fellow Canadians something that they It's incredible, man. I'm super excited as well. Um, let me ask you a question. What's, what would you say for your business? What, what is a, what is that going concern that you have operating? What doing it's what you're doing? It's access to the legacy financial system. Uh, it's funny. So we've got, we've got really great partners. Our existing partners are, are phenomenal. The ones that give us access to these payments, like Interac e-transfer, for example. If if Interac e-transfer is something like, because we go through multiple different payment processors, and if all those payment processors were like, yeah, you're done, like that would be it, right? We had to go through a strict, like it took us months and thousands, tens of thousands of dollars to get approved by Visa for the Visa debit pro. Like mm. we are exposed, yeah. right? Um, this is why it's so, so, so important to get a a platform um, that is non-custodial because the same thing can happen everywhere else, right? We're seeing that, like, look at, look at, look at this Binance debacle, right? The U S payments systems take away access to Binance. Lo and behold, customers have funds in Binance and there's no way for them to get their money out. Huge problems, right? So I would say that's kind of the biggest going concern and that we work very hard on is to make sure that our payment providers uh, know what we're doing. We're above board. We're regulated. All of our regulations are up to speed and everything's all good. And uh, then we just have to trust that the government will continue to do what they say they will, which is have a fair and open business environment. Um, obviously, that falls down when you hear my story, when you hear that I've been banned from every bank in Alberta, when you hear that you know a company like ours has to pay tens of thousands of dollars a month for a checking account. Obviously, it's not all as equal, uh, but I think that uh, you know we're doing a good job. We went public to combat exactly this, right? We are a publicly traded, uh, reliable, trusted, and vetted organization. We have due diligence done in our company every single year by regulated auditors. Like we are here, we're the long haul. We're Bitcoin only. We're self custody advocates. We're non custodial platform. Uh, we're publicly traded. We are really shaping this up to be like, look, we're insulated by your own rules, right? We're publicly traded. We, well, give us a bank. Like, why wouldn't why wouldn't yeah. that be possible? We're publicly traded. Well, well, then we deserve access to these things. And if you say no, then you got to show your cards. So we're really trying to insulate ourselves uh, within the confines of the space while pushing the limits of what we're able to do again within those confines. Yeah. With so with what we've seen in the last three years in Canada, right? Um, yeah, we, we have regulations and rules, but again, the last three years, rules didn't really mean much. So like 
the the fact that you, your business is relying, like you said, you, you're trusting that the government is, is going to do what they say they're going to do, and uh, FinTrack rules not changing, and other regulations happening. Like, how how big of a concern is that to you? Um, so there's two ways to look at this. For like my own livelihood and my business, it's a lot more concerning than my customers and our users. And what I mean by that is if we disappeared tomorrow, there would be zero customer dollars lost, zero yeah. customer Bitcoin disappearing. I, if I got on a plane and I'm a big fraudster and off I go, zero of our customer funds go with me because I don't have access to them because that's how we built the platform, yeah. right? right? We built it in a way where we cannot take our customer money. And so how much of a concern is it? Like, again, my livelihoods here, right? I've got a ton of equity in the company. I founded the company. I have taken zero dollars out of my equity in the company. Um, my livelihood relies on this organization. So from my familial perspective, I got four kids and a wife. And, and, and from that perspective, it's a lot more concerning because I know that my customers are insulated. I know that they do not have that same exposure that our organization does. So I think all that to say, I don't think it'll happen in the near future. I would be very surprised if it happened in the near future. Uh, we spend a lot of time um, investing in our relationships with uh, the regulators, making sure that they know who we are, what we do, what our policies are. Like to give you a sense of scope here, the CSA, the Canadian Securities Administration, uh, they actively are regulating Bitcoin and crypto platforms. Uh, we've, we were the first ones there. We were like, hey guys, we're here, you're doing this. This is back in 2019. We're going public soon. What do you need from us? We're going to register. They're like, okay, send us all your policies. Da, 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 da. They go through, they go, oh, you're non-custodial. Yeah, we are. That's what we, that's, that, that's our mission. Oh, we don't care about non-custodial companies. There's no risk to customer funds with mm -hmm. them. So I think that we're lucky that some of the regulators understand what a non-custodial business is, the value that it brings to customers. And, uh, and we're super lucky that we're not, uh, that we're not on their sites. Yeah, that, that's, that's awesome. That's amazing. What, what about the threat uh, that governments have uh, around the world about Bitcoin itself? Like, is that a concern? Good question. You know, it's funny. Uh, Bitcoin is one of the first tools. I think that's like, like the internet that actually puts Bitcoin or that puts governments in competition with each other. If I'm a government and I've got a certain tax base that is Bitcoin um, related, and I piss off that tax base or I penalize that tax base, then uh, that tax base could just move. And Bitcoin's borderless, right? We've built the platform in such a way that uh, we can add a payment rail from any jurisdiction um, with any parameters and we can integrate those platforms, right? If a, if a Peruvian bank was like, hey guys, we want our citizens and our customers to have access to Bitcoin the same way Canadians do, Here's our API docs. Here's the technology that exists. Boom. A couple weeks, we're integrated. We're up and running. Let's go. Peruvian Bitcoin well. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. um, I think that Bitcoin and the way that we're looking at things, we have an opportunity to be borderless. Um, if Canada becomes hostile, peace, right? We're gone. We're going to a spot where there's no hostility in the government. Maybe there's, maybe there's welcoming from the government, right? Maybe we get a grant or two to develop things. Like this business was built without the in, in the absence of grants. There's been nothing since going public yeah. because we weren't privy to those kinds of of luxuries. Yeah. So we've we've been there before. We've done it before. If we need to, we pick up and go. Um, there's no stopping this organization. There's no stopping this technology, and uh, we're ready to pursue that to the end. I'm sure you thought about this uh, with with a family, four kids. I don't know you had four kids, by the way. That's that's awesome. Um, if if shit hit the fan in Canada, like where are you looking? Like wh where's your spot? Yeah, that's a really good question, man. It's a question my wife and I actually um, think about actively. Same. And um, it's probably not like a first world no. place. Like it's probably. I just spent some time in Guatemala. Um, there'll be some videos coming out soon, actually. Julie, I heard, yeah. Follow me on YouTube, Adam O'Brien underscore on YouTube. Um, I, it, it was cool, man. And it was, it was interesting to see how a different part of the world is, what they value, how they live, what's important to them. Um, you know, shit hits the fan, like you're describing, like it's possible. 
I don't know. Um, you know, I've got a farm. I've got a few hundred acres um, out in the middle of nowhere that would be my first place to go to figure things out. And then, uh, and then I'd probably, yeah, I'd probably look to go someplace that is going to be welcoming to me mm-hmm. and it's going to embrace the things that we're talking about. Um, it's so I, crazy I that it, these are even discussions that Canadian families are having. Well, it is, it is, and it isn't. I mean, these were discussions that a Venezuelan shouldn't have been having 15 years ago, but here we are. But if you ask me 10 years ago, you know, if if I would be having these discussions in Canada, like I'd be like, you're crazy. Like this is the place. Well, it goes to show you what a government who says one thing does another and, and what, you know, what that gets you. Like it's, it's obviously like geopolitical problems are existing and they're not being handled in a good way. Um, democracy needs to shift up, and uh, I don't, and I, I have no idea what that looks like, but uh, it's pretty obvious to me that it's 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 needed. Yeah, I agree. Uh, look, I, I think we covered uh, quite a bit for sure. I think um, this was a, a lot more than I, I anticipated in a, in a great way. So it, it, nice. it's always a pleasure speaking with you, Adam. I always get super Likewise. excited. Uh, speaking with you and hopeful, uh, you know, for, for the future in Canada and love what you guys are doing. So, uh, keep up the amazing work, man. Amazing. Thank you so much, brother. Appreciate you having me on and, uh, looking forward to the next one. For sure. Let's do it. All the best. And we'll, we'll chat soon. Well, man, peace.